This is John Hill, and you've tuned into an Agile Mindset. I am joined today by Myron Parks, uh, Director of Quality and Strategic Agilist. Thank you for joining, Myron. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. So I know that you've coached on both the, the team and enterprise level. And a lot of times when the conversation starts about Agile, it's always related to software development or we got to get a scrum master in place, or, you know, we need to have a product owner in place. Right. But where, where does the conversation begin and end when we're talking to organizations about the role of the manager, the role of the people who they've had for years on top of years managing projects? or managing teams, or managing products? Where, where does that conversation begin? Yeah, that, that, is, that is a make or break conversation um, in my experience. So it's a gift and a curse being a part of that conversation. It's a gift because you've demonstrated that you're someone that the, lead, the executive leadership can trust uh, or they, they see as a trusted, uh, trusted advisor with one of their most serious issues. And that question, it's a really, really real question. It, you know, you, hey, Myron, um, the transformation's going really well now, uh, mm-hmm. but what do I do? I have like 25 managers. That's, that's, that's kind of how that conversation starts. And first of all, you have to, you have to find out what the, the, the sponsor level leader wants to do. Um, I think that's a real moment to, as much as possible, use your active listening, um, treat that person as the, the expert, and just ask, hey, so like, what, what, are, what did you have in mind? Now, th- that could go one of two ways. One way is they're asking you how to, you know, let people go, uh, which, you know, that's a different cut set of conversation. Uh, the other conversation that they're, they're, they could be asking is, let's say they just came back from a servant leadership conference, hypothetically speaking, of course, or, or they've read a really, really great book about servant leadership. And they're asking you, okay, all right, how do I get value from these people who get paid more than everyone else on these teams while moving removing them from their primary role of making sure that people are working every single day and that is that is a long conversation but i think that's a that's a conversation that's worth having and i'd like to frame you know so when when advising them i'd like to frame it in three different areas of what servant leadership means or what those managers can do moving forward the first thing is uh, they're responsible for building strong teams, you know, looking at the enterprise objectives and identifying the skill sets and the capabilities that they need to bring to bear on those cross-functional teams in order to have the best likelihood of succeeding. The second one is creating the right environment uh, to enable those teams to be both engaged and successful at their, at their jobs removing blockers, obtaining equipment, getting access, 
uh, and maneuvering, uh, in some cases politically, to keep the teams working and doing the right work at all times. And I would say the third, uh, the third broad area of what servant leadership looks like and what managers should be doing in this new world uh, is uh, steering the ship. And that is getting a sense for what, what decisioning is and the tools that can help inform uh, d decisions uh, at the organization. I think there's it, it, those three broad areas is what I advise uh, leaders at all levels to, uh, to look into for what their managers, what their leaders, what their supervisors, what their leaders of others, in other words, uh, are going to do in this new agile future. So that's interesting that you went down that path, uh, especially on that third point, uh, steering the ship. Because oftentimes when people hear agile and they think autonomous teams, then they're like, well, if, if those teams are working without any managers, you know, how can I steer the ship? Right. Right. That's a great, that's a great question. I think people ask that a lot also. I, as a matter of fact, whenever I say stewardship or decisioning, uh, there are a number of questions that follow. Well, what does that look like? Uh, imagine, you know, one of the biggest problems that we have when we have, especially in an enterprise, when there are multiple agile teams or delivery teams that are working on a project together that has to be delivered in a particular date, there's coordination that, that has to happen outside of the, the intimate features or the minutiae of the features that are being worked on. So you have to consider the agile teams as teams that are working on features and they're focused on getting to feature complete. But once you're feature complete, everything that has to happen between you being done with a particular feature and it actually being live, certainly in an enterprise with a lot of legacy systems, that's where managers, um, that's where managers operate. I, I would I would see managers uh, getting the stakeholders together, making sure that prioritization is there when there are uh, incidents or, or or bugs that are impeding the release. It's really important for them to be at the table to prioritize those and accept and um, there's a word that I'm thinking about. Uh, they have to accept and or disposition the risk so that you're launching the right product at the right time. Right. There are a number of instances where if one feature isn't working, you know, sometimes the marketing team would be like, well, we put out a thing and we're expecting this thing. If the, if the leaders were at the table, they would be at the table explaining to the marketing team and the, the product owners and the product managers, Hey, look, this thing is not ready. So why don't we just like delete that one sentence of five words uh, from the, the marketing uh, and we'll launch that piece when it's ready and let's talk about the value and disposition that value in a way that helps both the team, uh, both teams actually, as well as the organization meet its enterprise goals. Yes. So that's being able to react to situations and not follow a plan blindly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Th that's, that's exactly, that's exactly it. You know, if you, if you promise a release, 
you know, there's there's the technical piece. There's an there's the enabling technology that make this 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 happen. There's the process. There's the people that make this happen. Certainly from an operational perspective, the people who are answering the phones. But then there's the actual aspect of informing the public of what's available when. When you connect those things together, something very magical happens. You get to say things like, well, release that feature when it's ready. And now all of a sudden your delivery teams get to go on vacation. <laughs> they get to see their families now. Um, I mean, it's as simple as that. And so sharing with leaders how to get to the point where they can say, well, it'll be, it'll be done when it's ready. But we're at the table and we're negotiating every single day to get you what you need. There's 15,000 features here. Which feature do you need to obtain our enterprise objectives? Or even what are your goals? And then we can have a conversation about how your goals either align or don't align with the enterprise objectives. It's, it's you know, and, and it, it seems like it always comes back to the need for communication, having the right people in that room to have the right type of communication. Yeah. Um, because there's only a certain team on a team level, there's only a certain view, but that manager that becoming now embodying that servant leadership can now bridge that gap and help get both groups, both of those teams to the point where we can deliver something of value. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's, there's another aspect of it. And I mentioned decisioning before and just just to, just um just to clarify I, I, when i talk about decisioning it's it's a concept that i thought of um from the perspective of looking at dashboards that had a lot of content but added little value uh, so when i say decisioning i mean creating problem uh or research questions that inform decisions and when you look at a, a, a sort of decision tree at the very top is a yes or no answer. And it can be as simple as, are we ready to launch? Yes or no. And then that's a decision point. So decisioning is creating the problem statements or, or, the, or the research questions, and then uh, identifying what you need to know in order to launch. Uh, I'm, I'm very delivery focused, so I'm gonna be saying ready to launch a lot. Uh, though there are other things you can focus on, but I'm generally focused on launching. And then once you've identified the research questions that lead up to a yes or no, uh, like a, a, an objective yes or no question that meets the needs of all the stakeholders involved, you can then package those as features for the teams to actually build out. And so what you're working on is you're working on not only the features to compete or lead the market, but you're actually working on the problem of solving when the next time you can ship is. And so you when you build that and put that into the roadmap you have an amazing scenario where the teams know exactly what to do it takes a long time to get there but as a leadership team servant leaders you're packaging up those problems and you're putting those into backlogs in addition to uh, preparing all the communication and collaboration negotiation to prioritize disposition risk and be able to launch and meet the enterprise's goals that that's that to me 
because I'm delivery focused, of course, that is what servant leadership looks like. There's a lot of work there. Yeah. And, and in itself, that is somewhere still in the same ballpark of what managers do in navigating through a project that they're working on. Yeah. But now we're just telling them, all right, we have to incorporate some additional enhancements to your soft skills and use your management skill sets so that they can work together to deliver. Yeah, to deliver value. It's like like in the past, in the past, um, managers manage the teams. Um, but the teams are self-organizing now, so you, you need to get to a place where your managers are, are, are managing the company, are, are managing the resources effectively. The, 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 the new role for managers is to make sure that capital is been ex- being expended efficiently mm-hmm. and, that, and that your employees, like the people who come to work every day, have the environment where they feel that they are, that they, that they are most engaged that they're doing their best work at that particular time or that point in their career. Uh, and, and so the role changes significantly. Uh, you know, oftentimes, and this is, this is a shocker, oftentimes the managers are going to have to form agile teams among themselves. Imagine that. Leaders, leaders, <laughs> leaders forming agile teams for the benefit of a project or for the benefit of a program or a product. Mm-hmm. Um, Typically, when we talk about companies going from project to product, we leave out the part where the product manager, the channel manager, the SME leaders, the executives form an agile team and and stand up every day and plan and have definitions of done and do their budgeting in an agile for, in an agile way and prepare a roadmap to fit within the constructs of the enterprise to keep the teams innovating and leading and competing in the market. Imagine that, John. Yeah. So it's, it's, they move away from managing of people and really just that managing of values. And it, it doesn't sound too, it doesn't sound mind-blowing at all. It, I mean, you, you put it that way. This is stuff that organizations as a whole do now. When you look at, you got this VP of this work stream, you got this VP of this work stream, and they're having these meetings, sitting down and constructing their vision of where this, um, where their work stream needs to achieve for this goal. Right. So now what we're doing is we're sharing, and I think uh, the last person I spoke with, Rob Leggetti, is sharing that intent. You can be able to share that intent with the team and trust them to be able to deliver. But your focus is supporting them in that servant leadership role, um, providing them with the tools that they can use to get ready to launch. Yeah, absolutely. And the rest of that time, the rest of that time is, is you on your agile team. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you're going to have to do some work. You're going you're gonna to have to solve the dysfunctions of your peer group. Uh, you're going to have to align around a product. Uh, there are some enterprise goals. You're going to have to join with people to make sure that the technology roadmaps are aligned for that enabling technology to make the things that are most important work. 
Uh, you're going to have to align and understand what what the revenue stream is, what the opportunity costs are. Uh, you know, forming these teams at all levels of the organization is something that's very special and it takes a lot of work to do. And so it, when, when asked that question, what should I do with my 20 managers? There, there's a lot, there's a lot that can be said. Um, they can start standing up. Uh, have they, have they taken agile training? Okay. All right, cool. How are they using that? Are they establishing goals that are aligned with the enterprise? Are they doing their goals and their OKRs or whatever method that you're using in a way that improves customer value? It takes a lot of work, and if there's a concern, uh, you know the 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 allocation fallacy of what the managers can be doing for a given allotment of time, then then I I would suggest that there are plenty of story points involved in organizing strong self-organizing teams at the middle leadership level and at the executive leadership level. Um, that's what your servant leaders can be doing for your organization. See, and <clears throat> I think people will be missing this, that beginning interval. Um, you know, standing up teams is one thing, but there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. Mm-hmm. And having these managers, having them um, with them understanding the business, you know, there is a lot that they can still provide outside of that normal waterfall type of manager role. Um, but like you said, it's, it's going to take time. It's going to take some type of realization. You're going to have to have people step up um, to be able to stand up. Um, but it's not so black and white. Well, we're going to agile. Let me get rid of all these 20 managers. Right. Right. And I think that's, that you know that's also a risk because sometimes you'll see where people say that agile costs less uh um and so so you know there are sometimes legacy decisions or legacy uh pitches that have to come to you know that they come to bear at some point during your trans typically around the second or third year um there's that cycle uh and you know, I would advise any senior leader that's 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 currently in the pitching process of getting an, a a transformation approved. Uh, don't say it's cheaper, because 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 you're going to wind up asking your your executive coach, your enterprise level coach, around two years when the pressure comes on. What are the benefits of this cost? Uh, the sunk cost, and you're going to have you're you're going to be, you know. You're going to be like, all right, well, if I got 20, rid of 20 managers, automatically I could say we save this many million dollars. Um, so you want to be very intentional when you're pitching your agile transformation. Um, when, when people say that things are more efficient and extract value and dollars from that, it's really important to note that 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 those dollars are are typically associated with value mm-hmm. um, and projected gains from ob- obtaining more market share or happier customers who spend more money and not on the two minus one equals one like type of accounting math uh, that that can get <laughs> no, I'm over here laughing because. I don't know how many times up here. Yeah, Agile's 
it's going to be more efficient or, you know, it's going to be cheaper. And I'm like, hmm, not sure who told you that policy. Yeah. There. There's, so many, there's so many levels into that to yeah. get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like I said before, you know, in the beginning of this conversation, the first thing is to, to try to understand what that senior leader, what their intention is. If their intention is, hey, I need I need a million dollars so that we can keep this program going. Um, so these are 20 people who haven't been utilized. Again, the allocation fallacy for two years. Can we just get rid of them? Uh, that's obviously not a question that the the coach can answer. They're going to want you to do that because you're the contractor, and if anything goes wrong, they can say, well, well you told me to. Uh, you told him to. So it's really <laughs> important to, like, adjust your stance in that moment and, and, and let them be the expert and just ask questions to clarify. Uh, you know, it's really important for them to understand what they want to do and to hear that that was their plan while they go and do whatever they want anyway. Um, uh, but, you know, that is one of the typical um, reasons or that well, one of the things that I don't want to apply, imply causality, but that's one of the things that, um, that uh, correlate to that question being asked for the wrong reasons later on in that transformation. Yeah, this is oftentimes I see it also, like you said, it's a scapegoat. It's, I want to justify. I don't want to personally say that this is what I want to do. I want you to consult me to do this. Um, but in itself, it's yeah, it goes back to that whole political part. And politics is something that's definitely difficult to get out of when you have any type of large bureaucracy. Right. Um, people are going to want to uh, achieve their own goals and success. But the focus has to be on the organization or the enterprise when you're doing these transformations. Yeah. It definitely has to be seen as a whole, as a team, and not how does this propel me? Right. Absolutely. That is, that is the strongest, especially when, you know, kind of like it, when, you, when you're coaching an organization that wants to work on their servant leaders, uh, that can be very difficult. But if you make sure that, that working with the senior leaders, that they're aligned on the enterprise objectives, that's a really great conversation starter for the scenario where someone, you know, because power given up, is, is painful. Like people have to give up power. But at the end of the day, reinforcing the fact that they're on a team, that we're a team, and this team is trying to go mobile first. This team is trying to go responsive web design. This team is trying to launch three products so that we can compete in post-COVID, you know, on the post-COVID world. Um, those things, creating statements, working with the leaders to create statements that align everyone and that really motivate them for a more positive vision uh, in the case of the vision is possible. Some, some types of business are not really exciting. That's just the reality. 
Mm-hmm. But even in those cases, be like, look, we're trying to cut costs by 20%. Uh, anything that doesn't get us there uh, provably or reasonably, uh, you know, that's not something that we're going to actually, uh, you know, uh, spend capital on doing. And you get to have those conversations when you when you form your agile teams, uh, those middle leaders, uh, those servant leaders, uh, as well as like the executive leaders. Those are the types of things. It's like when you hear the types of things, the examples that I'm giving, I know in my mind, I'm like, wow, that's three months of work there. That's four months of work there. It's, it's, that's what I mean by steering the ship. So let's say that, you know, the organization that you're working with definitely wants to go in that that third step. So um, being able to really cultivate these managers who's been with them for quite some time to become uh, servant leaders to help steer this ship. What would you suggest to them to help get those managers prepared for that mantle? Well, unfortunately, um, I would say the first thing that you need to do from an organizational perspective is align their goals to measurable levels of compliance with the with the new order. Um, I wouldn't. So I'm talking about enterprise. Let's call it twenty thousand to a hundred thousand people uh, with entrenched um, with entrenched leadership cultures, politics, etc. Uh, in those scenarios you're going to have to uh, to commit to making this transit transition work. You're going to have to tie their individual goals to the organization's goals of building strong servant leadership period. There's no way, there's no way around it. Um, there's no way around. It. Uh, you have to align their goals and I'm by goals. I mean, uh, contingent compensation as well as, uh, <laughs> uh, as well as uh, regular performance. Right. I mean, because those those factors still play in. Right. That's why most people still have careers that they choose because they want to be able to achieve some type of goals or compensation for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in, in, in the absence of that, you're just asking people for favors. And typically what I've seen is the senior leadership that's bought into it and their goals, by the way, have been adjusted to make for it because they've asked for a lot of money uh, to do this transition. Um, they get tired. They, they, they decide that they're going to be in charge of agile directly. They cut their managers out and then they essentially ask the coaches around two years later for permission to fire the managers that they had a pain getting on board without goals to align them. And so, so when I say alignment, I mean all of it, like your goals have to be aligned your, 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 your rewards, your compensation needs to be aligned to making this thing work and having clear outcomes established. We're going, we're going agile in order to do X. That is how it starts. Not just saying, oh, we're going to transition to agile. We're going to transition to agile. It, it, no, we're, we're going agile so we compete with Expedia. We're going agile because Amazon said that they might do what we do. We're going, and we need to be able to compete. We're going agile because 
the Fairmount Hotel brand is nothing compared to Airbnb. <laughs> right? We need to compete. We're going agile because we want to capture the 21 to 27-year-old market. Yeah. And that reflects a lot of the wasted time when we develop meetings and we don't target what is our outcome. The same thing with objectives and goals for large organizations. You need to have some type of idea of what these goals or objectives should be turning. Yeah, absolutely. And you said a really big word earlier. Uh, It's only two syllables, but it's a huge word in, in intention. Like, yo, here's what we're trying to do. Here's our intention. And here's here's how we think we know when we're doing it well. Goal. Just yeah. try it. Uh, and, and since we have uh, an agile team and we're working in sprints or even program increments at the leadership team, there's nothing wrong with that. Fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to be doing some work. Yeah. You got to be iterating your goals. Like like annual goals or five year plans are 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 dying. They should be dead, but they're dying. Um, this the the COVID scenario is a great example. There's some organizations that went remote that day, yeah, and never looked back. That's what agility in an organization looks like. Yeah, organiz larger organizations who who don't have aligned servant leadership teams of agilists who are leading the company and steering the ship they're like yo 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 um send the lawyers to congress so we can get added to that essential worker list we're gonna need three months six months nine months sound familiar yeah we're gonna need till september september always sounds good in the beginning of the year doesn't it we're gonna need to september to get this done so why don't you just go and get us an exemption and uh, we will literally risk lives because we can't be agile. We can't pivot. Yeah. And, and that, as sad as it sounds, is the reality of large, massive organizations. Yeah. A lack of agility at this point where, where, where we've, we've evolved to the point at which we want to work where and with whom we want to for reasons that are within our control and reasons that are out of our control, like COVID. Agi- uh, not having agility, organizational agility. And by agility, I mean the thing that you're trying to accomplish by using agile strategies or frameworks. Not, an organization without agility, it is literally life or death at this point. Yes like like boom it, it's like figuratively because someone's going to outcompete you and literally because now your people have to go in and 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 personally fight a pathogen that's trying to destroy the human species that they that can't is- see or that some people can't understand and those are the most dangerous situations yeah yes yes Living without agility is life or death at this point. And I mean, I think if there's one lesson that 2020 teaches us is that we need to dust off our digital transformations. We need to dust off our our, our agile transformations. We need to dust off our goals and how our goals are aligned or laddered down. 
uh, and we need to get to work. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a eye opening situation, and I know that companies who've never even considered agile is going to be like, okay, we're going to have to change our focus. Yeah. And, you know, like, I coached at an organization once, and the, the, the CTO was very clear. He was like, Myron, so here's the deal. We're doing Agile right now. Some people are using Scrum. Some people aren't. But, like, what I need you to do is I need you to get us a release of production instead of once every 45 days, like now, down to once every two weeks. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> it's, it's not just uh, a thing we should think about doing, but something that, you know, wholeheartedly is practiced and embedded into our organization's culture. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, we make decisions to launch. We make yeah. decisions to, to add value. Uh, in that case, it was a community-owned uh, credit union uh, that had a uh, history of about 80 years, and they were really strong in the community. They actually invited the community. Um, you know, every every person that had an account was a shareholder, and they had a shareholder meeting every month. Uh, and, you know, we were doing it for a, a purpose. So they aligned the vision very well. Really? Um, but, you know, the most important thing was the DevOps work group, bringing people together from disparate disciplines to align the technology roadmap. So we had the enabling technology in place, aligning the stakeholders, the lawyers, the legal team, the communications team, the product owner team, the stakeholders, aligning everyone around what needed to be launched. Because this is, this is probably going to be shocking to you, but sometimes um, someone needs to launch a product in March that's a critical product, and someone needs to launch a product in April but the April thing doesn't work and it's holding up the March thing, um, right? So, so servant leader comes in and brings those people to the table and works as a team to identify what needs to be pulled out so that we can actually obtain this enterprise objective. And so, so that, I know that's another example. I want because I want to err on the side of caution and give a, a bunch of real scenarios Right. That are examples of what servant leadership looks like because mm-hmm. it's really easy for us to say servant leadership a bunch of times and like you not understand what it looks like when it's being done uh, i've seen that in some cases and i want to make sure that we do uh, a decent job of showing people and so people can be proud who are doing servant leadership that's one thing that we don't typically talk about uh, you know we started off doing the same thing talking about what people are doing wrong uh, but, you know, we want to pat you on the back. If you find yourself aligning stakeholders and pulling things out of releases and, and getting the right features to align with the, the enterprise goals for that year, that is huge. to you. Yeah, that's it's huge. Yeah. Because oftentimes it's a lot of moving parts. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean... As always, I, mean, I, I always enjoy having good conversations with you, and it's, it, it never shocks me to see how, 
organizations even today as they're trying to get to that their journey, their transformation, that they have no idea of how to utilize the people there and make them that servant leader to help support the teams. Um, it's, it's imperative that we start having these organizations focus like that to gain that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I appreciate your time, sir, as always. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Yeah. Uh, But in between time, if people wanted to see what is Myron Parks doing, um, where can they follow you, uh, you know, um, stalk you or just (laughs) get into your mind of looking at how agile enterprise coaching should be to really get into the understanding of quality and agile, mm-hmm. where can they find you? Uh, so thanks for that question. And you can follow me on, uh, on Twitter. I'm at Myron man P. So that's Myron with literally M a N and then the letter P. Um, you can also follow uh, the publication that I have with, uh, with a collaborator. Uh, it's a great strategic uh, UI UX uh, professional uh, uh, writer, uh, Rebecca Holland. Uh, it is called Practical Delivery on Medium. Uh, you should be able to find it. And we've been writing about, about how it kind of like take this wheel, of, wheel and spoke uh, approach to using agile delivery to enable various different functions. Um, so we started with quality in the digital enterprise. Uh, and the, the second article that we wrote was uh, design ops for agile delivery. And so you'll, you'll be able to see my musings on agile delivery there. Nice, very nice, my friend. Well, like I said, thank you again. And um, let's keep pushing this thing that we love to do in Agile and bring it to the rest of the world. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, John. Thanks for listening to an Agile Mindset. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review. We love your feedback. To hear more episodes of an Agile Mindset, visit Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, or SoundCloud, or head to perimeterdesigns.com slash podcasts.